0: Sunday morning, time for some jazz. Five songs, five stories, in this ongoing program. Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, Part 39. 39 shows, 39 hours. A lot of jazz, my friends, a lot of jazz. So on tap today, five artists, of course, as always. I'm going to feature a couple of artists today that I have not in the past. And uh, we're going to have two of the most famous jazz musicians in history to end out the day. Featuring one particular track that was uh, left off of the original album. One of the uh, most famous jazz albums in history. I don't know if you might know which one that is. There's a few that probably ring a bell. But this is, uh, without a question, uh, without question, I should say, the very first jazz album to sell over a million copies. And it has sold several more since. But let's start things off with a a new track, a new composition, from an Italian drummer, jazz drummer, born in Italy, Rome, Italy, to be precise, in 1988. This is Enrico Morello from his recent album, Cyclic Signs, released March 21st of 2021. This is Ghost Truck. In March of uh, this year. Very talented Italian drummer, Enrico Morello. This is his first full length album as a band leader. Sorry, I just bumped something on my recording desk there. Twelve tracks in total on this album, released on uh, March 19th. Sorry, not the 21st. I, I made a mistake. On trumpet, uh, Francesco Lento, Danielle Titarelli, Alto Sex. Matteo Boaton, at double bass, and of course Enrico Morello on the uh, drums, and Carillon. This was recorded last summer, um, July 2nd and 3rd, 2020, and released, like I said, on the 19th of March this year. It's his debut album as a band leader. I think we're going to hear a lot more from Mr. Morello in the near future, and long term of course. He has uh, done a fair bit of touring throughout the part of the world that he resides in, throughout Africa, and has been influenced by a multitude of musicians. I think we're just getting uh, scratching the surface as the saying goes. So, let's move on from Italy to uh, California. I want to play. I'm going to play. Uh, This is his most recent release. This was released uh, April 30th of this year from Vacaville, California. Mr. David Halliday with the track Sometimes It Snows in April and uh, as a resident of the city of Ottawa, Canada I can attest to that Thank mm-hmm. you. Recent released, Sometimes It Snows in April, which is also the title of the album. Nothing like starting off your Sunday morning with some great sax, eh? I think that's a great way to start off any day. Everyone loves great sax. I'll leave that one, let it marinate there for a minute. So, David Halliday is, uh, well, young man relatively young i should say he's uh, traveled through most of the united states cuba puerto rico guatemala mexico and eight european nations he's performed and recorded with a a rather vast array of musicians from aerosmith to uh, josh groban dizzy gillespie maxwell the temptations wynton marsalis Ben Folds, the Four Tops, the Glenn Miller Orchestra, and he's been a guest soloist with the Utah Symphony. Yeah, he was also the, um, he wrote the theme song for the uh, television series Touched by an Angel, if you remember that from a few years back. And he is the um, uh, individual who performs the NBA theme song. He's an adjunct professor of saxophone at the University of Utah and a member of Silverstein Works Educator Program. He's done quite well for himself, as his uh, track Dreamsville has over 7.1 million streams, which is quite a lot for a jazz musician. As we know, jazz is not exactly what one would consider to be mainstream, but for those of us who love jazz, like myself, you certainly respect those numbers. As I said this album was released on uh, April thirtieth of this year. He has a total of oh uh, six or seven albums under his belt as a bad leader. I expect some more from uh, Mr. Halliday in the future. Quite the um, quite the unique player. I really like his tone for certain. Okay, gonna move it along a little bit, and um, I-, I have a track I want to play by an individual. Um, name of vincent herring originally from uh, hopkinsville kentucky now he's been on the scene since 1982 but he's only about uh, three years older than me so a bit of a prodigy he um at the age of 16 he entered california state university at chico california on a full musical scholarship because he was simply that good like how do you <laughs> you can't You can't even call that into question, my goodness gracious. He played in a um, U.S. Military Academy jazz-knights band playing lead alto sax, and he he moved to West Point and served one enlisted tour. In 1982, he moved to New York City and attended Long Island University. And That's, uh, throughout uh, his, his touring life, he ended up meeting up with Lionel Hampton and Nat Adderley, And as a result of that, as recorded with um, Louis Hayes, Eric Eric Alexander, Horace Silver, and of course, Art Blakey. Terribly sorry, I had a bit of a frog in my throat there. had to cut because I didn't want to cough into your ear. So, Mr. Vincent Herring. This this track was released very recently. This is from his um, 2021 album, released on April 20th of this year from the Smoke Sessions records. Um, This is from the album Preaching to the Choir, and this is In a Sentimental Mood. (laughs) Herring from his most recent release, Preaching to the Choir. Of course, that was released on the 20th of April of this year on the Smoke Sessions label, Preaching to the Choir. That is, of course, the album title, as the composition is titled In a Sentimental Mood. Now, uh, Mr. Herring has uh, appeared on over 250 uh, recordings as a sideman. He has 20 albums to his credit as a band leader, and uh, he started recording back in 1986, so 35 years on, still going strong, as he is a, a rather young man, he's only 56, and <laughs> he'll be 57 in November of this year, he has hopefully a long career ahead of him. I'd like to hear a lot more music from him as the decades tick by, as they often do. Of course, they often do. Paul, what else would they do? Time only marches forward, never back. Now, he's toured throughout Japan, Europe, China, all over the world. Basically, every major jazz festival that there is, he has played at. He's also a uh, professor... Uh, pro, 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 fra, Let's try that again, eh? He's a professor at uh, William Peterson University and Manhattan School of Music. Um, a jazz educator, as he's both a uh, sax player and a flautist. He's recorded with Art Blakey, Horace Silver, Freddie Hubbard, Nat Adderley. He's toured with Cannonball Adderley, Louis Hayes, Cedar Walton, Dizzy Gillespie. Effectively a who's who of the jazz giants. And uh, he was. At one point in time, well, not too many years ago, he was uh, appeared as a special guest soloist with Wynton Marsalis at uh, Lincoln Center and was also part of the Carnegie Hall Big Band. Spectacular recording artist, great writer, Mr. Vincent Herring. So, from one uh, magnificent sax player to another, I want to feature... Well, one of the greatest uh, saxophonists to have ever lived. And I'm not, uh, this isn't Birdland, this is not Charlie Parker. I'm going to go with John Coltrane. And I'm going to play a, a composition for you now that I featured part one in the past, just a few weeks back. And today this will be part two, A Love Supreme, from the 1964 album A Love Supreme which has been lauded as both one of the greatest jazz albums of all time and one of the most complex and complicated ones at the same time it's funny how there are times when i love to sit and listen to it and other times when i simply can't handle it it's just a complicated record that like i said sometimes you just you need to be in the right mood anyway and by the uh, year 1970 When uh, the album hit the age of six It had sold half a million copies Far exceeding his usual sales of about 30,000 So this had done incredibly well for him Basically every review was five stars For the most part right across the board But it is one of those records That sometimes you just Can't really Handle it So from the original recording Um, This is A Love Supreme From the album A Love Supreme A Love Supreme Part 2 John Coltrane album, *The Love Supreme. Of course, that was recorded in one session. December 9th, 1964. The Van Gelder Studio at Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Encompassing modal jazz, avant-garde jazz, free jazz, hard bop and post bop. Released on the Impulse label. Clocking in at 33 minutes. Um, relatively short um, recording considering well how monumental the album is and again as I stated earlier it's it's one of those records where if you're in the mood if you're in the right mood it's incredibly uplifting and if not it can be pretentious and I can't argue with that because it's I've always felt that about the record I still think it's a genius work without question That's never been called into question. But sometimes I'm just not in the right frame of mind to listen to it. Clearly I was today, otherwise I wouldn't have played it. Of course, that was the Love Supreme uh, Part 2, which was dedicated. um, He offered it up. Let me rephrase that. He wrote and recorded it as an offering to God, as a way to say thank you for giving him the great musical ability that he had. And that was a kind of a shocking thing to read in 1964 on an album cover, and yet there it was, written for all the world to see. Just a brilliant, brilliant record. Like I said, categorized as a multitude of styles of jazz. Featuring McCoy Tyner on piano, the great Elvin Jones on the drums, and bassist Jimmy Garrison was John Coltrane's best-selling record, like I said, recorded December 9th, 1964, released early January of 65. His masterpiece, one of the greatest uh, jazz records of all time. He sold 500,000 copies, like I said, by um, the year 1970. Of course, the album has gone on to be remastered, remixed, um, some outtakes have been re-released with it. The original uh, Stereo Impulse album um, Four tracks, Acknowledgement, Resolution, Pursuance, and so on. All part of a Love Supreme. Now, there's multiple uh, variations available if you want to go out and ser- search, them, search, them out, search them out. They're available for your listening pleasure on, uh, on the Spotify, but you can also find multiple copies of it on both vinyl and compact disc. I would recommend the vinyl setup if of course you have um, a proper a proper setup for listening to jazz via vinyl and I don't mean one of those $50 USB turntables you see at the Radio Shack I know Radio Shack is not a place anymore I'm just not going to give a plug to a place that won't pay me Although I do love Kettleman's Bagels, even though they don't pay me either. But that's neither here nor there. If you're going to listen to the vinyl version, you need to have a very good turntable with an outstanding stylus, a good quality amplifier, and some some spectacular speakers to really get the sound staging correct. I have the compact disc version of a Love Supreme. I do not have the vinyl version of it yet. I did see a copy of it for sale recently, but I just didn't feel like spending fifty-six dollars for something that I already own. I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can understand that. From one jazz giant to another, I'm gonna play you a composition from the great Dave Brubeck. Now, this particular track, he was toying with the idea of the song in uh, during the recording sessions for Time Out the song was never fully fleshed out at that time the version you're going to hear now was from a uh, 1967 recording from the album buried treasures which was a uh, live concert recorded in Mexico City and then it was shelved until 1998 so it sat in a vault for 31 years before anybody heard this version as I said that the song was never fully fleshed out in 59 and in, in 64 when the Dave Brubeck Quartet made their first trip to Japan uh, they record recorded seven uh, new songs for an album titled Jazz Impressions of Japan the final piece of that album is what this is this is what it became the Koto song and it was it's been recorded 17 times by Brubeck uh, both um, the original quartet and various sidemen throughout the ways, as they always were looking for new ways to approach the song as I said this was originally a, an idea he was toying with for time out but it never made the cut because it was never fully fleshed out and he said the song, Koto song was inspired by two female musicians in Kyoto so this is the fully fleshed-out version, recorded in 1967, which is, uh, I think, mm, the fourth version? Fourth recording? Let me see. one, two, three, four, fifth three, four. Fifth No, fourth recording. Terribly sorry. This is the fourth recorded version of it. Mexico City, um, 1967. June, June 12th of 1967, to be precise. So, um, about 50... Uh, Fifty-four years ago, uh, what, today? Is today the twelfth? I don't even know what the date is. Today is the thirteenth, so my apologies. Um, Fifty-four years ago yesterday, this is Koto song. Dave Brubeck Quartet from the album Buried Treasures, recorded in 1967 and released in 1998. As I stated earlier, the song was first released on the album Jazz Impressions of Japan in 1964, shortly after they had fully fleshed out the track, and it has been recorded a total of 17 times featuring a recording from uh, Stratford, Ontario in uh, the late 60s, I think it was 66, perhaps. Of course, unfortunately, the original master tapes for some of those recordings are simply no longer available, as they've long since been out of print and have just kind of disappeared. There are 11 versions of it available, though, if you wish to seek out some of Mr. Brubeck's catalogue. That particular version you just heard like I said, from the album *Buried Treasures*, um, a little shorter than some of the other versions, but a little bit more focused. At the same token, magnificent solo from Paul Desmond, and uh, Brubeck explored the keyboard a little bit more on that track. The late great Dave Brubeck, Paul Desmond, Joe Morello, and Eugene. Oh my goodness, I've completely forgotten his name. <laughs> That's terrible of me. Um, Gene Wright, double bass player Gene Wright My goodness gracious, that was terrible of me I I had to go back to my notes to check that out Joe Morello on the drums, Paul Desmond, Alto Saxon Dave Brubeck, pianist extraordinaire Seek out the album, I think you'd really like it As it is live, ethereal, and comfortable that's the best term I can come up with. It' very comfortable, much like an old sweater in a big easy chair. Okay, I hope you uh, enjoyed the great sacks this morning. I enjoyed my coffee and bagel and the time I spent with you today. And uh, I am still working on the main show, but I've I had some ideas that I hadn't fully fleshed out, and now I've decided that it I'm going to change direction because I didn't like how it was going, the main show, uh, volume 89 of the Songs and Stories series, It, uh, I didn't quite have the vibe I was looking for, so I scrapped the whole thing, and I'm going to start over. I'll have something for you probably in the next week or so. It is a bit of a marathon, so I have to carve out time to record it, because it is ordinarily four hours plus. So, as as I'm sure you can understand, behind the mic for that length of time is... a little bit strength zapping. Now, I've played longer sets live, and by live I mean in a nightclub, of course, but here I'm just sitting in front of my computer alone in my apartment, so four hours is a marathon, trust me on that. Anybody who DJs would would know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, again, I hope you enjoyed today's program. I'll have another jazz show for you next Sunday, and I apologize that I'm releasing this a little bit later than I intended, but I had a couple of complications this morning, which, fortunately, I was able to work out. Anyway, until we meet again, my friends, please take care of yourselves.
1: Be well. I hope you're happy. I hope you're well. Bye.